Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 18th year, as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening, I'm Liz Mitchell. The mission of the nationally recognized Children's Museum of Indianapolis is to create extraordinary learning experiences across the arts, sciences, humanities, that have the power to transform the lives of children and families. Now, one of the unique ways of accomplishing this is by creating transformational, extraordinary family learning experiences, as Liz said, across various disciplines that promote family engagement through the use of real objects, immersive environments, and live interpretation. Here with us to discuss how the use of interpretive acting and theatrical performances achieves this goal is Aaron Bonds, the museum's director of actor interpretation and theater. Aaron, welcome to Bring It On. Hello. Thank you, Elizabeth. And hello, Clarence. It's nice to uh, be here with you both. And I thank you for the time to chat today. Oh, absolutely. Um, And we have taken our daughters to the Indianapolis Children's Museum uh, countless times. And they've had special projects and, I mean, special programs over dinner, as well as, you know, special collections for children to go meet. My famous, my favorite is the uh, Transformers uh, uh, <laughs> Bumblebee that they used to be out there. Absolutely. You know, so I, just to look at that thing and say, man, you know, just, just, just imagine it in my mind, my childish mind. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, they certainly are on the map uh, nationally. And share with us, as you introduce yourself, mm-hmm. uh, why is that so? What, what what makes this Children's Museum stand out from all the rest? Yes, well, thank you. Thank you for that question. And like I said uh, before, for this time, you know, I'll give you just a little bit of history sort of about myself. Uh, my name is Aaron Bonds. I was born and raised here uh, or in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, and I studied sort of theater sort of as a profession, you know, through college. And um, I just happened to sort of um, see one day as I had come back to Indianapolis after going to school that the Children's Museum was hiring for actors. And, you know, I never thought about acting in a museum setting. I never even thought that that was kind of a, a thing that was really possible. So I sort of went to the museum, applied for the position, um, went through the interview process, got the job there. I was an actor interpreter uh, at the Children's Museum for about six years. Uh, after that, I became experience manager at the Children's Museum. It was over, sort of oversaw our actor interpreters. That's kind of what we call our actors at the Children's Museum. Uh, and then in recent years was promoted to director of actor interpretation and theater at the Children's Museum. And, you know, there are a lot of things, I think, that make the museum special, that sort of separate it from... Uh, a lot of the other institutions that, you know, families can visit. And uh, one of the things, and I'll I'll brag a little bit, just because of the investment that the Children's Museum makes in the arts, specifically theater arts, is our ability to tell stories 
and to impact and connect emotionally with our visitors that come to the museum. You know, we spend a lot of money and a lot of time sort of figuring out what's the story that we want to tell. We have live actors at the Children's Museum, which is also something that sort of sets us apart, you know, in some ways. Uh, We have these full-time, these are professional actors who have, you know, studied, devoted their life to their craft to come to the museum, spend, you know, time there as a full-time actor interpreter position and help to tell some of these stories. And so, um, you know, our interpretation department, which consists not only of actors, but we also have gallery interpreters that spend time on the floor engaging with our visitors. It's really that uh, the that sort of personal experience to me is one of those things that I love about the museum that sets us apart and allows us to tell our stories in such a unique way. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, what is the benefit of performing theatrical activities at the museum? How's it going to benefit people that show up? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being able to help people see themselves in the stories that we tell. Uh-huh. And, you know, that is what is really important. You know, we, we, could, we have lots of different uh, experiences and galleries that we offer at the museum. You know, one of our uh, experiences right now that we're excited about is our Minecraft gallery that's at the museum right now. Minecraft is a, um, it's a sort of video game property that has sort of blown up and sort of um, spread out all throughout the world. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, people are really excited about Minecraft, but we like to, when people come into our exhibit, we love to take the opportunity to help them imagine why is this important to you? Yes, Minecraft is this big sort of uh, video game. It's this big experience where youth all throughout the world, you know, are connecting and using this sort of platform. But we like people to think about what does this mean to you? How can you engage? And so we talk a little bit about how people can engage with the Minecraft community, how if they're interested in doing things to make our world a better place, there's been lots of um, things connected to Minecraft that have been about you know, making our physical world actually a better place. There have been um, water drives where we focus on um, these are ways where we can sort of increase clean water throughout for humans throughout the world. And all of this is done just by video games, people watching video games, people making donations through the video games. Um, You know, there have been specific situations where um, places have been built for people who have um, are without homes or homeless people who might have issues and, um, using that platform to sort of help connect us around to our neighbors in a bigger way. And that's something that we really um, get excited about. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, I read somewhere, Aaron, and um, I'd like to expand on this, how the youth theater, and especially the ones here in Bloomington now, that's something that's up and coming, has helped children feel more self-assured, confident, in their own abilities and more than likely will benefit them the rest of their lives. Are you in agreement with that? Oh, I absolutely am. I absolutely am. You know, the the arts, all of the arts, you know, I open the door to that for our youth and they allow them to see the world in a bit of a different way. And specifically theater arts, I think has the, the power Um, to transform people's lives and to take them out of any specific situation that they may be in and engage and 
uh, trigger their emotions in a new way that they're imagining themselves or imagining the world in a bit of a different way. One of the pleasures of my role at the Children's Museum is I get to uh, sort of kind of oversee our Lily Theater at the Children's Museum. And the Lily Theater is a fully professional children's theater where we do three, you know, main stage performances every single year. And these, this sort of Lily Theater is actually separate from our actor interpreters who you heard me talk about a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Our theater is kind of separate and it's a fully professional theater where we have uh, professional directors, professional choreographers, professional um, musicians and actors that come and create this world. And one of the, the real pleasures and honors that we have with that work is that a lot of the children that come to see our our shows in the Lilly Theater, this is their first experience experiencing theater arts. And we love the fact that um, admission to the music to the theater is included in your museum admission. So it's not like you have to go down to the theater, buy another ticket. You can just kind of go and kind of go there and, you know, watching kids see that world, see the characters come to life, the costumes, the music. Um, it, it's a really special thing. And we really take pride in the fact that, you know, we get to be a place where lots of children in Indianapolis and in central Indiana get to experience theater for the first time. Now, before I turn it over to Clarence, because I could see his head, I can. You, do you see that smoke coming? He's got questions. <laughs> uh, I want you. I want our listening audience, and we'll have you repeat this uh, at least another time. How do they get tickets? Where is the museum located? Uh, that kind of information. So, our listening audience who think they ought to take their kids and their grandkids, give them that information. How to get there? Yes, and absolutely. The cost. Yes, absolutely. The best way. Um, to find out about how to visit the museum is to go to our website, which is childrensmuseum.org. On that website, you could find out exactly where the museum is located. We are located in the central part of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, we are, uh, you know, on that website, you'll find out about, you know, when we're open. You know, generally we open from 10 to 5 p.m. every single day. We often have special events and special uh, things that are going on at the museum that are also sort of posted on our website. Uh, you can also go to that website, childrensmuseum.org, to find out what our price is for any given day. That price changes a little bit based on the day, um, sort of taking into account what's going on throughout the Indianapolis sort of area. There are certain days throughout a certain month that are specifically priced a little bit lower you know, than some of our other days to really make sure that we try to remain as accessible as we can for people that want to visit the museum. Also on our website, we have information about um, how you might be able to enter the museum on sort of at a reduced price or yeah. um, using, you know, a reduced sort of program. We have a thing called an access pass, which you can go on there, find out some more information about. The museum is also open every month we call it first Thursday. It's the first Thursday of every month where the museum is open extra time from 4 PM to 8 PM. And people can bring their visitors to the families. People can bring their families to the museum for a, a highly reduced price of just $6. And they could go to the museum 
every first Thursday from 4 to 8 p.m. And they can come see all the, the cool things that we have going on. They can come see our programs, come see the things that we have going on at the museum. And so that's really the best way to find out that information is going to that website, which is childrensmuseum.org. Oh, I like hearing about the first Thursday because not everybody has the money that Clarence Boone has. So thank <laughs> you so much for that information. Clarence? Absolutely. Thank you for the uh, the confidence booster, uh, Liz. Um, For those that have just just turned in, the voice you've heard was Aaron Bonds. He is the Director of Actor Interpretation and Theater at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis. And if again, if you're needing help navigating to find uh, the museum, I think there's a big brontosaurus that still has its head poking through the side of the building. Wherever you see this big prehistoric animal, there you go. And I believe parking is even free. Is that still free? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Our parking at the museum is, is free, which we are, you know, really excited about. Um, I will tell you, Clarence, that, you know, that uh, the giant dinosaur that's uh-huh. coming in the museum, uh, yeah. not to throw you under the bus at all, my brother. Uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> but is no longer classified as a brontosaurus. And the only reason I say that is because. We have real paleontologists that work at the museum. If you come to the museum, you can go through our Dinosphere exhibit and actually talk to a real paleontologist. And they would, um, let's just say I'd have a stern talking to if I didn't say something about uh, the animal that was on the outside coming into the museum. So I hope you f- you will forgive me for that, Clarence. Well, I, I uh, duly noted, and what a segue uh, to boast about the paleontologists on staff. And I always thought of it as a big lizard on the outside, but nevertheless, <laughs> I, I stand corrected. I will tell you about the uh, the dinosaur exhibit in the basement of the museum. Absolutely. It took my daughter, it took my daughter about four years to get enough courage to go through there. Oh, because wow. The, the realism through sight and sound, you walk in, they, you are transported back uh, to that era. And with mist and, and dark lit rooms and, of course, the sound and sometimes even feelings of vapor on you, whatever. I mean, as you walk through and, and you don't know what's going to come out of the bushes at you. And even the adults are a little, you know, a little trepidation going down there. Absolutely. But um, uh, I will say, speaking of sight and sound, one thing that I really appreciate about uh, the museum is you take real world uh, people who were impactful people like a Ruby Bridges, a Ryan White, and Anne Frank, and you have this wonderful display about them. And uh, every time we've gone, it's like we we pay homage to these people. We would go up there, and the Ruby Bridges scene, you could sit in the classroom, and and their chairs and desks are reminiscent of that time. And they would have the sound as far as the class being conducted, and you were kind of transported there. Through your work as um, the director of interpretive uh, theater, mm-hmm. do you have your actors sort of reenact some of these uh, memorable moments in the lives of the, these three people? Each one, in their own right, uh, have been life-changing individuals. Uh, but say Ruby Bridges, uh, do you have someone who reenacts the challenges that she went through, or Ryan White? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and thank you for that question. It's one of the things that um, uh, I'm really uh, most proud about, you know, not uh, that, that the museum does, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
is that power of children exhibit. And you talked about, you know, we focusing on the lives of children who made an impactful, a positive impact on the world that we all live in. And that's, of course, Ryan Wright, Ruby Bridges, and Anne Frank. And, you know, just a few years ago, we actually added a fourth child to Power right. of Children. And we're really excited about that. That's Malala Yousafzai. Uh, oh. And for those of you who may not be familiar with uh, Malala, Malala is an activist um, who uh, really has been, you know, world renowned for her voice for pushing for the rights of fair education, really for all children, but specifically for girls and for education for girls and the value of education for girls. And so those four stories that we tell in that exhibit um, are really incredibly impactful and they mean a lot to our visitors that come that come in. Right. And as well. And in each one of those particular areas, we do have a live actor interpreter show. Each each one has its kind of its own approach. So for the Ruby Bridges area, we have um, kind of a, 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 a student that we play that has gone to William France Elementary, which is the school that Ruby integrated in 1960, um, mm-hmm. that she that this student has kind of come to this school years after. Ruby went there and integrated the school and is talking a little bit about the impact that Ruby's bravery had on their life. And we also sort of have um, a a version that we do in the um, Power of Children. That's one of the federal marshals. And that's specific because at that time when Ruby was integrating William France in 1960 in Louisiana, um, there was a lot of violence that was going on in that community in Louisiana. And every day when Ruby had to go to school, she had to go through these lines of protesters who were shouting really hateful and terrible things at this six-year-old little girl. And so Ruby was given federal marshals, you know, which of course are uh, sort of police officers that kind of go out and and handle the government's business. She had four federal marshals that stuck with her for that entire year and walked her in and walked her out of school. And we had the opportunity to sit down with one of those gentlemen Um, because one of them actually resided here in Indiana. Um, And we had the opportunity to sit down with him and interview them and and hear a little bit about them. And so we have a story that talks a little bit about Ruby's story from that federal marshal's perspective. And, you know, and so in each one of those areas where we focus on those children, we have different actor shows and different interpretive experiences that help our young children and families sort of think about these um, think about these stories and and think about how it how it reflects on their life, right? Why does right. this matter? Why is it important that they learn these stories? Um, and so it's really one of the the more special things that we get to do at the Children's Museum. That, that is awesome. Also, uh, would always like to come and just stare at the I believe the Norman Rockwell painting yes. of her being escorted into the classroom. I mean, into the school and. One thing that stood out is how she is depicted as a young lady of courage, not cowering, a head held high, shoulders back, marching in there to get her education. And I happened to see her. uh, I think PBS was doing something and they're featuring something about her. And I thought to myself, you know, if she could just look back over her life and say, I never would have thought that just an act of defiance would have brought me to this point because she is still still sought after as a speaker he is still an engaging talker uh and we i'll tell you liz i have tried numerous means to try to interview this lady 
Uh, I went to her webpage. I, I sought out all types of requests. One, because my daughter was so enamored with her when she was younger. And, um, and, and Aaron, I'm just going to say right now, if, if you have a lead into this Marshall or to Miss Bridges, um, I want to talk to you after the show. Absolutely. Um, Segue into my second question before Liz takes over again. Um, we just really are coming out. I would not say we're 100% out yet, but we are coming out of an, a pandemic time. Yep. And 2020 put a pause on a lot of things. One of the reasons why we're using Zoom technology today is that we stopped going into the studio for a long period of time just for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. But it worked out so well that we talked to people around the country and even around the world that yeah. we've stayed with this format. We've worked out most of the audio glitches here and there. But um, one thing, how, how did you get the message across during this time of the pandemic? Or was it was everything sort of put on hiatus until it was over? Or, or what did you do? That is a great question. Um, and, you know, as everyone, right, the pandemic threw us at the museum for a big loop. You know, I mean, this was something that you couldn't see coming. Um, and, you know, we're really proud and grateful um, to our leadership that, one, we were able to remain functioning through the pandemic, through, through most of the pandemic. We did kind of have to close down the doors. But during that time, um, we were doing a lot of work. We were meeting, you know, a lot, you know, with our, our particular staff. We were really trying to lean into, um, you know, as much virtual content as we could. You know, we knew that we had this community that really counted on us for support. You know, these, these children or these families, you know, homeschool groups and other school groups, you know, that are really counting on us for that sort of support. And so we really shifted our focus into what could we do to support and give out content virtually. You know, we knew that people were trapped in their homes. So we were sort of meeting, I was meeting with my team throughout through Zoom and sort of trying to figure out, okay, here's what we can do. We can sort of create some of these virtual programs. You know, we were meeting and, you know, our leadership at the museum worked incredibly hard, you know, to try to um, support as many staff members as we could through that difficult time until we were able to reopen our doors. Uh, you know, we, I think we were closed and I don't want to tell you anything that's not accurate here, but somewhere around three months or so, I believe. Um, and then we were able to kind of open back up on a really sort of slow basis and kind of watching right. pay close attention to the science and to uh, the communication that was coming out. And it really caused us to totally flip the way that we work. And like you were saying, you know, Clarence, um, there were certain things that we had to do out of necessity, but that now we've figured out actually this works better. Like the way I, I'll just give a, an example, which is not very riveting here, uh, but about the way that we handled, you know, our microphones and our personal effects for our, our actors and our staff. And we kind of had to go and we sort of say, you know what, we can't share these anymore. We've got to figure out a system where these can be owned by this particular person and we sort of had to make that switch and sort of figure out how the technology works to support it. And now we're sort of still on that system because it works a little bit better for us. And so um, it was quite a difficult time for us, but I'm just really grateful to our leadership that we were able to survive it as best we can. Um, and, you know, for, 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 as, for the most part, um, we were able to move forward with most of our staff intact. In That's wonderful, Aaron. It's good to hear that. 
Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of people may think when you go to the museum, you're just going to be inside walking around. Well, if the day's pretty and you think, I don't want to go spend the day in the museum if it's pretty out. Tell us about your outside activities. Yes, thank you for this. And we are also really proud about our Riley Children's Health Sports Legends Experience. This is an experience that we opened in 2018, so it's still pretty new to us. Um, It is an expansive 7.5-acre expansion outside of the museum property where we have three indoor galleries inside of that Riley Children's Health Sports Legends Experience. And then on the outside of the gallery, we have, you know, 10 plus other gallery experiences that you will experience outside. And so you could go on a particular day and you could go out, you could shoot some hoops, you know, play some basketball. You could go get, uh, play some tennis. You could go play, you know, play around with some hockey equipment and try, you know, shooting some pucks. You could go to our soccer area and try kicking a goal. Um, We have a sort of Indy 500 race car experience where you could go and sort of do a little bit of pedal car racing. We have a putt-putt area where you can go um, and kind of play that was modeled modeled after a sort of real kind of golf course design. There is a sort of track that goes around the entire Riley Children's Health Sports Legends uh, experience, um, as well as um, sort of uh, exercise equipment that you'll see out there and also programming from our world-class staff that we have out there as well. And so if anyone has not been been over um, to check out our Riley Children's Health Sports Legends experience, we encourage people to do that. That is a seasonal experience. It is opened from basically like mid-March to generally the end of October. And if anybody wanted to know those specific dates, you could go to that website again, which is childrensmuseum.org, and you could find out the specific times of that. And that Riley Children's Health Sports Legends experience is also open during those first Thursdays I mentioned, which is the first Thursday of every month during that time span from you know mid-March to sort of late October. So we encourage people to come and check that out. And you talked about the experience of a, the race car. Yes. One of my pet peeves is that uh, we need to push the Golden Glory race car team in Indiana. Mm -hmm. That -hmm. was huge for us. I don't know and I don't recall, please correct me if I'm wrong, if the museum has done anything to tell the kids about Charlie Wiggins, the speed king of the Golden Glory race car circuit. That is a great question. We have talked a little bit about Charlie Wiggins and sort of looked for ways. We had a Hot Wheels exhibit, actually two different Hot Wheels exhibits that we had several years ago. And I would have to look back to find out whether how much focus was on that story or not. Mm -hmm. What I will say is that basically not enough because it is it is a remarkable story. And it it is one that I think is worth telling. And I know that our Riley Children's Health Sports Legends team is always looking for these sort of stories to kind of uncover that hidden Indiana history, because there's a lot of hidden history here, which a lot of our children and our youth don't get the opportunity to hear about or know about. And so that is something that I'm going to kind of just make a little note about, because I would agree with you. It's an undertold story, but I think deserves a little bit more attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please tell that story. Now, do you tell the story of uh, of um, Riverside Amusement Park? 
I do not believe so. And I, I, if I may be wrong, but I don't think so. I think it's one of the first amusement parks in the country. And we had that right in Indianapolis. Wow. Maybe an exhibit or a story to tell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the rides and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Clarence? Yeah, in your um, creative ways of, of reaching out and impacting the public, you mentioned coming out of the four walls onto the corporate property in this new facility, which is beautiful, by the way, when you drive by. Mm-hmm. Just stop and put your flashes on, run over there and get on some of that equipment. But um, are you mobile in that you go out of the four walls into other sites in the community to do what you do? Uh, yes, yes. There are, you know, we have a team at the museum. Um, it's a team uh, that's sort of called our community initiatives team. And we also sort of have several sort of neighborhood working groups where we really kind of work and communicate with the neighbors in that mid-north um, area. Also, some of the the, the corporate uh, sort of support that we get from people in that particular neighborhood. And so we're constantly sort of having that communication. Recently at the Juneteenth uh, parade, which I believe was is that last weekend, yeah. it may have been, we were able, oh, yeah. yeah, we were able to send some representatives from the museum down to the Juneteenth celebration to sort of support mm-hmm. that celebration there. And so we are constantly looking for ways to kind of get out in the community and sort of just show our support. Something that we were really excited about this year for our Juneteenth celebration was we were able to work a little bit closer with some of our community partner, community partners and really work to support sort of a season of Juneteenth celebration where we had our Juneteenth Jamboree, which was a free day at the museum. It's the first time we did that. Was we were really excited about that. Was Saturday, June 3rd, as sort of a kickoff to the Juneteenth celebration season. And you know, we know that there's been several other situation uh, celebrations, uh Indie Juneteenth. You know, that group itself has had several different celebrations, lots of other celebrations throughout. And so we're really excited about the opportunity to continue working with our community partners and find out how we can not only um, sort of do what we like to do and sort of be who we we like to be for the community, but also how we can support our partners to make sure that our visitors and our, our community members are really getting the best opportunity to enjoy and explore all the different things that there are to offer. Uh, along those lines, um, uh, I have taken part in a program through, through a former employer where you locked the doors and it was like an evening at the museum where individuals could come in. There was a dinner and then you can go up to certain floors and just tour around. Mm-hmm. It was sort of packaged as this sort of corporate getaway. And 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 do you still do that um, and put on theatrical performances for corporations and other organizational partners or just groups that may want to say, hey, you know, we want to learn about this, about, say, Ruby Bridges over dinner, like a like a dinner theater, like a dinner theater experience. Is that something that you thought of doing? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, it, it isn't necessarily um packaged kind of like the dinner theater sort of approach that you said, but we have a, mm-hmm. an extensive sort of events department at the museum. And one of the things that we really enjoy doing is hosting events and, you right. know, whether that's corporate, you know, or other types of events coming in, seeing some of our world-class exhibits, seeing some of the interpretation that we have, 
We have a catering company that sort of works at the museum that can kind of work to support some of that. And so really people have a lot of options as it, as you think about a specific experience that you may even want to build or tailor to the museum. We would encourage you to go to that website. Again, that's childrensmuseum.org. Look for our sort of rental and events area and you can kind of find out how to contact us how to start a conversation to kind of see what might be possible but yeah we have lots of different events you know sometimes early morning events late evening events um you know that's something that we do a lot at the museum and so if anyone's interested in finding out a little bit more about that that website's a great place to start and and my last question before i yield over is uh, have you partnered uh with other theatrical enterprises such as maybe locally here in, in town we have resilience uh, up in indy we have the onyx fest and we also have um, uh, an outfit that i'm very familiar with the Freetown villagers mm-hmm. and you had collaborative experiences with them because i know s- some of their 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 foci if you will is been on celebrating the history of african americans the traditions the cultural experiences within our community have, have you found uh, partnerships with that rewarding and enriching for the museum? Yes. Yes, we have. You know, right now, you know, we've had some sort of partnerships where we've worked with Freetown Village in the past, whether or not we've brought them in to do specific shows in our theater for our visitors or whether we may bring them in to do um, some of their specific performances in different spots of the museum, the Freetown Singers. Right. Um you know, we've just recently worked with uh, Indie Juneteenth. We were able to host the Miss Indie Juneteenth pageant, which we were really excited about uh, earlier this month. But it is something that we're always interested in growing. You know, we're always interested in figuring out what what's more that we can do. How can we lift up some of our community partners a little bit more? How can we elevate the voices that are in our community that are telling this information that it's so vital that our, our families know. So yes, we do have a good history of those relationships. Um, you know, earlier, I'm sorry, late last year, uh, we worked really closely with the Indiana, Indianapolis chapter of the NAACP as advisors when we were sort of working to put together our um, Let the World See the Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley exhibit. And so um, we really through these partnerships, we, we, we treasure this time, but but we know that we want to do more. And we're always looking for the opportunity to do more with these, um, with really these treasured organizations in Indianapolis and throughout the state of Indiana. Oh, wonderful. I mean, you've got, I, you know, I didn't, I just wasn't aware that so many things uh, that the Children Museum was doing for the community and the partnerships that that's just awesome. Uh, have have you ever thought of, and this is another one of the things I'd like to push, the Black settlements, which you're a descendant of Lick Creek. Absolutely. Of, of, a, of uh, an exhibit about the Black settlements. If nothing else, if you're doing something about families, mm-hmm. to talk about those families of these early Black settlements uh, and the awesome people, the talent that came out of the Black settlements and the one-room schools there. Like a loud station, if you presented some of those people, just talking about what was, like you said, what was here in Indiana. There's so many untold stories. Absolutely. So many untold stories, Elizabeth. And, you know, we have not sort of in a, in a formal way started to figure out kind of how we tell those stories. Um, But for me personally, 
I think it's incredibly important. Um, you know, I think finding the finding the way to really dive into that history and make sure that the history that we're telling um, is the history of, of all Indiana residents, you know, that that all children can come into the Children's Museum and see themselves reflected in the stories that we're telling. Um, you know, our goal is that we can get to a point where that's that's the true experience. And we're working really hard behind the scenes right now to try to get to that goal. Um, but but I do think like when we think about some of these settlements, just the richness and the stories of these experiences um, can be incredibly impactful for all of our children, our African-American children, as well as our white, you know, and our, our, our Latino children and all, all the other children that we have in our Indianapolis community. So I think it's really important. I do know that there is an appetite. There is a hunger at the museum to find out what's the right story to tell. How do we tell this in a way that's going to lift people up? Yes, there's going to be some things that we're going to have to look at that are that probably aren't going to be very pleasant. Um, but there are there are things, there are stories there that need to be celebrated, that need to be lifted up um, because of the people who made these sacrifices so that we can be where we are today. What has the Children's Museum done to to um, let the kids know about the Native Americans who lived in Indiana, that this was all Indians through here? Have you yeah. done anything about that? Um in some ways we have, it's very similar to kind of what you were saying about some of those, that sort of those black settlements and sort of those families mm -hmm. in some roundabout ways that has certainly been communicated through the museum. You know, for years now, we have been having what's called sort of a native Native American celebration days at the museum mm -hmm. where, you know, students will come in and they specifically talk about um, sort of native American history in Indiana Um they sort of talk a little bit about um, sort of why it's important to celebrate these things, why it's important to look at, to sort of think about them and look at them. Mm -hmm. um, but we are interested in doing that more in a formal way and formalizing what we've been doing with those Native American days into perhaps, you know, a, a bigger sort of more kind of more formal experience that can help to kind of tell those stories and share that, that really important information. And one other question before um, I hand the ball back to Clarence. What are the social and emotional benefits to theatrical arts to children? That's a really great question. Um, you know, it allows children, at least in, 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 it doesn't happen all everywhere, but at the museum, I will say, it allows children to engage with lots of different topics in a safe way and in a safe setting or as safe as we can make it you know mm -hmm. because some of the some of the content that um you know that the world gives us as as humans right it's you know some of it's just not safe but as safe as we can make it um and it allows them to see a different perspective to see a different side of a certain thing um you know i'll, I'll give a a quick example i'll kind of reference back to um, we did the, um, oh, it, I'm, I'm losing it here, but we just, last year we did the, um, let the world see the Emmett and Mamie Till Mobley exhibit. And yeah. we had an actor program in there that was a teacher 
they were an educator in a local Indiana high school. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about that they had students that had found out about Emmett Till's story and kind of what had happened to him. And they were interested in, in finding out more about it. And so they were asking their educator questions about it. And the educator had to sort of was talking a little bit about that I want to share this information with my kids, but I'm also not sure if I am allowed to share this information with my kids. There are a lot of people in our community that don't want me talking about what happened to Emmett Till. That's right. And so that educator was able to use that experience to help some of our young kids, maybe who hadn't thought about that in a real way, of why are there people in our community that don't want me to hear about this terrible thing that happened to this 14-year-old boy? And so without them necessarily feeling attacked or on the hot seat, they were able to see some of the social elements that are going on in their community, which they may or may not have been aware of. And so that's just a really quick example how we can use Um, use theater or this element of a character to help a child or a family look at something in a bit of a different light and maybe broaden their perspective about what they're looking at. Thank you. For those that have just just joined us here on Bringing On, we're having a wonderful conversation with Aaron Bonds, who is the Director of Actor, Interpretation, and Theater at the Children's Museum of Indianapolis. And now we're beginning to understand why they're nationally ranked and recognized as one of the best. I want to shift gears with remaining time. We're sort of rounding the final turn here. Um, But I I did want to talk about some of the obvious things uh, that we have not talked about yet. As an African-American male, Mm -hmm. uh, you're in a position to serve as an advocate for our community. And a lot of what I've just heard from you, you're doing just that. And it's not that you're pushing envelopes, but you mentioned that the museum is is hungry for ideas that will um, allow them or help them to help lift up communities. Where you're based in Indianapolis, um, one of the things that, I'll be honest, I dread to do every morning is when I turn on the news, some of the hate crimes or just, let's face it, the the gun violence going on there. Um, And and then nationally, we just came out of... um, a time when, you know, George Floyd or Black Lives Matter was birthed. And then the counter we sort of see going on with wokeism, uh, yep. legislation, very ignorant legislation being passed. And then, of course, the one elephant in the room is voting rights. Yep. Sort of uh, an attack on that. So in your role, you know, again, looking at the social and emotional benefit that in you and your position, which is not only novel but so strategic uh how do you tackle some of these current issues that are rooted in a deep dark history in america yeah that's a great question um and i will say um it's a difficult challenge Mm -hmm. and i would say it's a daily challenge uh for those of us who are at the museum and, and doing this work um i shared earlier that i grew up here in indianapolis and uh sort of the the inner city sort of uh, kind of area. And even though I grew up here in Indianapolis, you know, I never had any experience at the Children's Museum. You know, I never, I never remember going. I never remember it was uh, something that really 
didn't seem like it was for me. And so when I came to the museum and was sort of, uh, you know, moved, moved up through, through a couple of levels of leadership, you know, that's one of the things that's always been incredibly important to me is trying to make sure that whatever influence I have in my role uh, can allow the museum to be a space that is accessible and available to all of our children in Indianapolis. And it, it doesn't seem off limits, you know, or something that someone isn't, isn't welcomed at or isn't, um, or isn't going, isn't going to kind of be welcomed at. And so that's really important to me. It kind of guides a lot of the work that I do at the museum. Um, it, it's really a, an opportunity to sort of step outside of yourself and to disconnect yourself from your personal views, um, which is very difficult to do. You know, um, I'll go back to the, the gallery I talked about a little bit earlier, which is the, you know, let the world see the Emmett and Mamie Till Mobley exhibit. And, you know, as an African-American man who's, who's grown up here in Indianapolis, um, a, a very, uh, at times, unwelcoming place for me growing up. Um, you know, when, when I sort of look at that, I had really strong feelings about the way that we should tell the story, right? This is the way the story needs to be told. And this, it needs to be aggressive and it needs to be strong and it needs to be in your face, you know? And there was a moment where we were going through the process and I'm just very grateful to my leadership at the museum, you know, we, we the, the entire exhibit was led through the lens of Reverend Wheeler Parker, who was the last surviving cousin of Emmett Till, who was with him when he was abducted. And so that was that was an opportunity to really sort of understand that it, it's not about me, right? It's, we have Reverend he Wheeler here who's telling his story, and I, I, my charge for that was to make it as accessible for all of our children. You know, not just for African-American children, not just for our white children or whoever, but for all of our children that were coming in. And so it wasn't about telling the story in this certain way and, and, and undoing old injustices, but rather keeping that lens and that focus on the children that were walking through the door. And what is the story that they need to hear so that hopefully they can go forward and they can create a better Indianapolis community for all of us that kind of kind of come after that. Um, but there's a lot going on in the world here. You know, you talked about yeah. the sort of voting rights, um, the repealing, and you know, I'm 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 talking, I'm speaking from my my personal opinion now, right? <laughs> I've sort of transitioned a little bit from the okay. uh from the representative of the museum to my own personal sort of opinions here. So I'm speaking on behalf of Aaron Bonds here. Um okay. but you know, the repeal of voting rights, some of the legislation that has ripped away, you know, important rights for the women in our community that have been, these rights have been existed since I was born. And now, you know, they're gone, you know, um, like you said, those voting rights, some of the uh, LGBT plus Q plus uh, discrimination laws that have been going on, we're seeing a real um, sort of backward momentum movement where mm -hmm. some of the gains that were made by generations of Americans who sacrifice just about everything they had so that we could be where we're at, we're seeing that repealed. And so right. at the museum, we're very aware of this. Um, we work to not run away 
from those particular areas and to not hide from them. Um, but to try to try to do as best we can to just be the conduit of the story, you know, that right. it's not, a, not, it's not us, not our story to tell, but here is the best way that we were able to prepare this story for you to see. And so these things that we're talking about as, as it relates to racism, um, sexism, um, just general bigotry really touches almost all of the elements that we are, that we're, that we're, we work on. You know, we have an exhibit opening in September, which we're really excited about called sacred places. And it's really a, a, almost a religion based exhibit, which talks a little bit about um, the different places throughout the world that people find sacred. And, you know, we're really trying to lift up not one religion, but all religions and lift up the idea that, you know, sacred is something that means a lot to us as humans. And so trying to tell the humanity side of the story, not the left side of the story, the right side, not the poly, not the Democrat side or the Republican side, not the black side or the white side, you know, okay. but but that true humanity element of it. And it's a challenge. And I think, right. you know, I think that I, I think we're we're doing okay, you know, but it's it's one of those things where every day you've got to be willing to meet that challenge where it, where it takes you. I think it's fascinating to be in the role you're in where uh, every week or as you roll out programs, you're creating these teachable moments mm -hmm. for all the audience to participate in, to see, and to interactively learn. Um, and, and I think that at a moment such as this where the value of human life um, is, is getting cheaper and cheaper, if you will, Absolutely. Um, and where, where city administrators need as much help as possible getting their hands wrapped around this situation. Um, maybe, you know, suggesting maybe a topical idea, maybe the value of me. Mm. Uh, where, yeah. uh, you know, I can say no to the crowd and, and stand tall. Um, there's incredible pressure on our youth to go along, get along, experiment. Um, I want to. I want to have a certain persona. You know, we used to when I was coming out. Yeah, we looked at our sports figures. Yeah, we looked at entertainers, but they let us down. Yeah. Now some, you know, I, my hat goes off to LeBron James, starting at school, helping kids with scholarships and helping yeah. parents along the way. But where all these other Billionaires made off of the dollars that African Americans have bought their entertainment, yep. music, um, the contracts that they've signed as professional professional athletes. Um, but it could maybe start at a level where you could work with schools and say, "Look, we need help creating a positive message and experience for our youth that's going to be so impacting hit them right between the eyes in a positive way." Like they walk out thinking, oh, boy, I didn't know I was that valuable." Wow. Or I have that much worth mm -hmm. because they do. It's not like when I was coming along, if we had disagreements, we had two fists. Yeah. And we <laughs> yeah. knocked down, drag out. Six weeks later, we're playing on the basketball yeah. uh, court again. Yeah. yeah. Now it's these decisions that are eternally made. It's there is no coming back. Yeah. And, and not until you're standing in front of a judge. Does the gravity of it hit you? What have I done? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, and, and that's one of the, the mission points of our show, Liz and I, you know, we, we, we endeavor to try to bring positive, uplifting things for our listeners to want to appreciate our community. And two, uh, to get others like-minded out there to start taking action, mm-hmm. uh, to do that one thing that's going to be impactful. So, mm-hmm. uh, as you go forth, call upon us, um, and, um, call upon my, my, my anchor who, uh, I'm going to go ahead and disclose. <laughs> uh, and I, and I say she knows and is related to everybody in the world. Uh, she happens to be a relative of yours. Now, that was not the sole reason that you're here tonight. It's just you, because you're doing fascinating things. But I, I have the pleasure of working with a lady who is just um, so gifted and such a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and now my my network is expanding, meeting people like yourself and others that we've had the uh, privilege to talk to. But just know that um, Bring It On is here. Mm-hmm to assist you with what you're doing. If you need to get the word out about a program and Southern, more Southern part of Indiana, so that families will go up there, uh, by all means, just let us know. So I know that I kind of went on and on, but in your role, it's a very strategic role where you can be as intentional as you want to be. And I applaud that and I wish you the very best. Awesome. Thank you, Clarence. I appreciate that offer. And I do, you know, I, I do envision sort of reaching out and continuing some of these conversations. I sort of jot it down just a few of the the quick ideas that you had. And then Elizabeth, some of the things that you were saying that um, sort of just need a little bit more attention, some of these untold stories. And so I de- uh, definitely have some of those jotted down. And um, I will absolutely share, you know, that with some of those on my leadership team that, um, this is a resource that we can use and maybe call on you to one, help spread the word, but also to help maybe kind of figure out what is the next story that we want to tell? What is that next, that next element that we want to bring to our children and families here in Indiana? Well, when we're off the air, I'm like you, I got the ideas. <laughs> you were taking notes. I was taking notes. So, yeah. but, but see, you're going to have to bribe them with some of your uh, apple cobbler or, or something like that. Man. So, I have banana pudding. And banana pudding, yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> well, I think we've reached that time, haven't we, Clarence, that we have to say goodbye. Yeah, we have about time for one more question, Liz, if you will. And then if we've not touched on something, Aaron, go ahead. But we have about <laughs> time for one more. Okay. Well, I, I was just going to go ahead then and ask Aaron to uh, expand on something. Tell us something that you want us to know. We might have missed that, some information yeah. or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I'll just share, um, you know, a little bit about what we have coming up on the remainder of the year. And so yeah. talked a little bit earlier, you know, on er- early September, and you can get that date specifically from our website, childrensmuseum.org. We are uh, opening our Sacred Places exhibit. And we are incredibly excited about this because we've um, worked with videographers and researchers that have traveled the world to some of the world's, you know, uh, greatest um, uh, sacred places. And they've gone and they've got, they've taken footage and we've interviewed um, representatives in those areas who have been kind enough to tell us and share their stories. And so that's just a really great opportunity for people to come and, and learn a little bit more about, about our neighbors that are far away in, in different parts of the world. So we are really excited about that. Uh, something else that we're really excited about uh, coming this fall 
Um, you can also find out information about this on our um, uh, childrensmuseum.org winners, uh, website. It is our winter fair experience, which will be coming a little bit later this year. This will be our first year of winter fair. We had a winter experience for years at the museum called Jolly Days. And yeah, and we, you know, we 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 love the tradition of Jolly Days. Our visitors love the tradition of Jolly Days. And so we are so excited to be able to start this new tradition. Um that that gallery is called Winter Fair. We're really excited about that. That'll be opening later this fall and we encourage everyone to check that out. And once again, you can find out more information about our hours about our prices, how to get to the museum, some of our access pass information, our first Thursday information. It's right there on our website, childrensmuseum.org. All righty. Thank you so much. Our thanks to uh, Aaron Bonds for joining us this evening. He is the Children's Museum uh, of Indianapolis, director of, uh, yeah, you are the director of mm-hmm. Actor Interpretation and Theater. He yep. shared with yep. us insights on how the museum's programs achieves its goal of creating extraordinary learning experiences to transform the lives of children and families. For more information, visit www.childrensmuseum.org. Bring it on has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bring it on at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring it on. Executive producer is none other than Clarence Boone. Assistant director is myself, Liz Mitchell. Show consultant and WFHB News Department director is Kate Young. Program engineer is Chanton Lafatante. Original theme music was created by Jamal Ephraim with additional background tracks by David. For WFHB, I'm Liz Mitchell. And I'm Clarence Boone. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.